You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's talk about this homestand. They went 3-3, three and three, beat the Celtics, beat the Lakers beat the pelicans uh we talked uh, i think the last time we talked was right after they'd beaten the celtics and uh and they'd lost to the bulls right before that but they'd beaten the celtics and then since then they've beaten the the lakers like i mentioned beat the pelicans lost to the pelicans uh obviously the 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 pelicans win was the big one probably because of the jabari shot um and of course we were just mentioning earlier how they just lost to the warriors most recently but you've got I want to get your takeaways from the six game homestand, what we learned from them. The the big thing is that shot from Jabari, that moment against the Pelicans. Um, and they're in the, the retro or city edition uniforms that I like a lot. Um and the the other story to me, they beat the Lakers in the game before that. And we're we're talking about them being an ancillary story with the John Morant thing. But they were also, to me, a second fiddle story in that game, too, in winning against the Lakers, because I thought it was a big deal. And I know we're in the age of load management. Anthony Davis has hurt a lot. But I thought it was a big deal that the Lakers rested Anthony Davis in that game. And they pretty much have to have every game at this point. Or they're in a situation now where, where you're fighting for a play in spot or fighting for a playoff spot where I feel like all the games matter. You're de facto in the playoffs already. And him not playing in that game and the and the Rockets winning, I thought was kind of a uh, kind of a big deal and an and an underrated storyline if you're looking at it from a Rockets perspective. But that that kept standing out to me, like how the Lakers lost this game without playing Anthony Davis uh, against against a Rockets team that maybe they could have beaten with Anthony Davis. But but what were your some of your key takeaways from this six game homestand and how they how they performed over that stretch? I think the big thing is Jabari Smith looks like a real player. And yeah. I think that there, I'm, I'm not, you know, I think that there were a lot of people down on him for a really a good portion of the season. And, you know, the numbers were not good and the eye test wasn't good either for a lot of it, but you're seeing him now and he just looks different on both ends of the floor. He's confident. Uh, he's always been, you know, I, I do think one of the skills that has kind of been lost on, what he's done this season has been the rebounding, but I mean, he's now really taking that up a notch. He's shooting the ball a whole lot better. I think he's kind of understanding, you know, where he can excel on the floor, which spots that he can really excel at. I think his teammates are starting to figure out how they can get him the ball in better spots. Uh, you saw him even make plays, you know, he threw up a lob to KJ Martin in last night's game, which probably not the smartest pass in the world, but I think he understood that it's KJ Martin. He can go up and get it. You know, if it's somebody else, I'm probably not going to throw that pass, but if it's KJ, I can go ahead and be aggressive with that. So I think that he's starting to understand his teammates a little bit better. So I I think all around uh, this last six game stretch, I think you have to be very happy with what you've seen 
out of Jabari Smith, and he is looking like someone who uh, I he's not going to be in the rookie of the year conversation. I think that's you know long gone, but I do think that he's got a chance to at least make one of the all rookie teams, which you know two three weeks ago I don't think he would have been in that conversation. Yeah, no, d- definitely Jabari Smith. I, I I thought that something that stood out to me about the last several games were the 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 top two rookies. I mean Jabari mainly, and then Tar Eason for me is just confirming or reaffirming what I already believe about him as being like a a vital role piece potential piece role piece off of your bench somebody that I mean who knows if he's the seventh eighth or ninth guy off your bench or whatever it may be once you're good but somebody that you want on your team similar to a Jay Sean Tate in a way where you're like hey this guy isn't really special at anything more so than just like his availability and his energy and his attitude and all of that. Like, I just feel like he's one of those players. But to your point about Jabari, man, you couldn't be any, like, more accurate on the point of, hey, like, the the position on him and the, the, the view of him has changed dramatically because the idea was, hey, Jabari might be a good player, but he doesn't look like a number three overall pick. That's That, to me, has been the feeling for most of the year is – Hey, he's got some skills. He, he he'll play in the NBA, sure, but he doesn't look like a number three overall pick, a guy that you might build a team around or might be a cornerstone piece. And over the last couple of weeks or so, he's definitely looked like that. You you now see exactly what sort of the vision was or what the idea was when he was in the conversation for being the top overall, you know, the the overall pick, uh, and, and certainly being the number three pick to to Houston. So. Totally agree that the that the outlook on him seems to have changed in a very short amount of time. And it's important. Anyone who starts making declarations about a player four months into their rookie season, just ignore it. Like in all honesty, there is nothing just more reactionary than saying, Well, so and so is a bust after four months, because you don't know. You can't you can't make that declaration. There isn't enough intel to make that sort of a declaration and you see guys doing the redrafts or whatever. It's just, I I know people are starved for content, but sometimes we need to pump the brakes on this sort of stuff because it's just so premature on any of this. And I think they all, they always tell you, you can't really judge a draft class until like three years. Now we've gotten to the point where we just judge draft class after three months. And that kind of, Oh no, by game. No, no, no. Game by game. Yeah, <laughs> game by game, Adam. Do we like, read, are, are we? I think next year we'll just start redrafting after every single game. That kind of yeah. feels like the direction that we're headed. But I do want to bring up something with Eason because I do think that we need to bring him up, and you already did. I think he's got a chance to maybe be first team all rookie just with the way that he's played this season. But he, one of the areas of improvement with him, and this is something that you've been on throughout the season about him on the fast break. And he had a he had a two on one. I think it was in the second quarter last night. It was a two on one, and Draymond Green is back there. And no one is better at just busting up a two on fat two on one fast break than Draymond Green. And Tari just kept it simple. He just exploded to the rim and threw down a one handed dunk over Draymond Green. He didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to get cute with it. He just did the simple. He just made the simple play, and it turned into an easy bucket. I think a couple months ago. He maybe tries to pass that off. Maybe he tries a reverse layup or something that probably would not have gone well. But yesterday he just went in for the dunk. So a good step in the right direction for him. And again, it's showing just his growth. Yeah. 
a hundred percent. And I joke about that because like, I, I just, I like watching them play a lot, but you know, for the exact reason that you mentioned, man, like a couple of months ago, you know, when I see him on the fast break, I'm just nervous because he's not a, doesn't feel like a great an instinctive or skilled passer necessarily. And it's just awkward and clumsy, but the effort is a hundred percent there. So, you know, it's going to be like all out, but you're like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not really sure where this is going, but on the point that you made about not judging players too early in their careers or too early on in their rookie year. Right. I just think, and this is not to pat this podcast on the back, but one thing I like about what we try to do and what I want to continue to try to do is like be able to live in the moment and speak truth about what you're seeing in real time. And to be honest about it, without overreacting and overstating what it is that you're seeing because it feels like whenever we do real time and, and i say we i'm not talking about you and i necessarily but like the collective we okay whenever real time analysis is done there seems to be like this inclination to overstate or, or make like some sweeping declaration about something that you can't really make a sweeping declaration about you can just say hey this was bad you know like you can say like right like right now i can say Tari Eason is not a good passer. Or I can say Jabari Smith is not shooting. You know, I could have said Jabari Smith wasn't shooting well or Jalen Green is not playing efficiently. But when we make a declaration of, well, Jalen Green can never be a number one or Jabari Smith isn't worth the number three pick, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's taking a a leap that's just beyond unnecessary (laughs) just that we don't have to do just to have a conversation you know so that that that's one of the things that i want to kind of continue to do is to have like level-headed conversations that are still honest about what we're seeing you know you know like that like it feels like there's a struggle to balance that sometimes another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you 100. I mean, we, we fire coaches after every game now, it seems like. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you that we maybe people need to take a breath sometimes with a lot of this stuff because these seasons are long, these careers are long, and you're not going to make, you know, one game isn't going to make an entire season. It's not going to make an entire career. Like, I, I remember last year um, Jalen Green sat out crunch time a couple times and people are all up in arms. Oh, it's development. It's development. It's, it, it, relax. Jalen green. If Jalen green doesn't meet his potential, it's not going to be because he was benched for crunch time in one game in January of his rookie season. It, it does not really matter a lot of times. So I, I think that we, we want like the instant gratification on this stuff. You know, it's, it's just kind of the, the, the internet culture, I guess. And, and that's what people want, but that's not how, development works it's not how the league works it's not how it's not how anything works you know this this stuff takes time you have to let it you know happen and i I think that people want to see the results just right away and and in in jabari smith's case it's just one of those things too where 
the guy picked number one in that draft is Paolo Bancaro, and he's NBA ready in playing at an incredibly high level as a rookie. But every everybody's different. Every everybody matures differently. Everybody's on a different timeline. So you know, development isn't necessarily linear. Everyone develops at a different pace, and sometimes you just have to be a little bit more patient with it than sometimes people are willing to give. Yeah, and I can fall, I can fall into the trap of the instant gratification culture. I'll admit, and. For me, this is just honest, honestly, it was that stretch of time. And this goes back to the takeaways from like what we've learned from them in this six-game homestand. One of the things that I would say major beyond just Jabari Smith specifically and, and Tari Eason, who I mentioned, who we both mentioned, but overall as a team, they're playing harder or or, or played harder, I felt like, throughout this six-game stretch, even in the games that they lost. Um, they do some maddening things on the floor, but I felt like the effort was there and we've had a lot of conversations about the effort and just at times being lacking and being inexcusable. And those were the times, Adam, when I was kind of like jumping ship on what this whole thing was. I'm like, man, I don't know about this thing. These guys aren't even out there trying, which, you know, that is something I think that you can fairly maybe overreact to when you look up and you're like, okay, it's not just that they're playing bad basketball, but you know, the, you know, like the plays that you and I point out when somebody just marches straight down the court, no one stops the ball. And this is an NBA game and someone goes straight to the basket on a fast break. You know, no one stops ball from three quarters court. So, uh, so those are moments where I think it is easy to fall into those traps, but, um, but 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 certainly you want to kind of be patient and be a little bit more measured with your analysis. I I want to ask you before we move on to well, this, it, it does yeah. just on that really quick. It, yeah. it does feel like the Portland game when Lillard scored whatever 70 71 against them. It, it yeah. does feel like maybe that was a little bit of a turning point and that might have been a wake up call. And you know, I, it's one of those things that kind of hit me as I was leaving the arena yesterday. And now, of course, uh, I can't ask about it for another week and a half because they're on the road for a while. Right. But it, it does feel like that maybe that was a turning point because actually since the All-Star break, they're 18th in defensive rating. And, you know, they were 29th or 30th, whatever they were. Maybe they were in between 28th and 30th uh, before the All-Star break. So so to see them at 18th and, and they're playing, you know, decent team. I know there were a couple of games against the Spurs in there. But you play Boston, they played Memphis, they played Denver uh, during that stretch. I mean, those are decent teams. Obviously, those are really good teams, actually. And they've been able to hold their own uh, defensively against them. So I do think that just as a team, and, and Tari Eason said this last night, where they're buying in more now than they were before. So I do think that that's a nice step in the right direction for them, just to see the defense not be you know, a complete disaster. Adam, I know we've talked about the return of Kevin Porter Jr. being just so essential for this team and how it operates. But I, I wonder if it's enough, if like that's enough to explain it. And, and before we talk about the road stretch that they've got coming up, I wanted to ask you about Steven Silas because like we, none of us expect him to be back. His, his contract's expiring. They're more than likely moving on. We already understand that. But since there has been so much conversation about his performance as a coach over the last few years, and specifically, I feel like this year, as things have kind of just spiraled, I, I wonder if you've seen anything or if you've noticed anything, because they they are trying harder. I, I mentioned that just a moment ago, but they also look I don't know if the effort helps them look more prepared 
Like, I don't know if those things are sort of just connected, but they look, they just look like a more, like more like an NBA team. And I, and I don't know, I, I can't say it's anything that Silas is doing anything differently, but are you noticing it? Are you noticing anything different in how they're coached? Do they look like a better coach team to you? Or is it just more so the effort and the fact that personnel is coming together? No, I think Silas has stayed pretty consistent with them. I think that was something that he, he even brought up, um, I, I think, it, just in this last week, and how he thinks that's probably one of his strengths as a coach is that he is consistent with them. So I don't think that's changed. I, I just think that they are understanding the game a lot better than they were before. And, and Draymond Green brought this up last night. And he said he kind of overheard a conversation that um, Tari Eason and KJ Martin were having. And, and there was a, some sort of a defensive breakdown. And those two were hashing it out. And Draymond Green is listening in. And Draymond said that the stuff that they're talking about, they were on the right track. Like they had it. They had it right. It's just now they know what they're supposed to be doing. It's just now how do we execute it? And so I, I think that in, in the NBA, it, I think coaches always get way too much blame for everything in the league. I think it's about players and the game goes so fast that the players are responsible for a lot of this. And you can prepare a player and you can tell a player what he's supposed to be doing on a given play or on a given, you know, on a given action or whatever but the player has to be the one to actually execute it. And when you are, when you have a roster filled with 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds, when the 22 year olds are the old guys, it's really hard as a unit to be able to execute consistently. And I think that now as you have these guys, 65 games or whatever into their rookie seasons, or they're 65 games into their second NBA seasons, or even or in, in with KJ Martin in, you know, 65 games into his third NBA season, that there's just more of an understanding of what we need to do, what we are responsible for on the floor. So I don't think that that has anything to do with coaching. I think it's just more the players having a better understanding of what they're supposed to be doing. 